This is a Stimulus Network podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of For What It's Earth. I'm Emma. I'm Lloyd. And this week we are talking... Electric cars. We are indeed. Would you, uh, would you ever buy an electric car, do you reckon? Yes. Uh, I, I need money first. Yeah, that's the exact same problem. But here. otherwise, yes. Yeah, me too. I love them. Somehow I think selling my Honda Jazz isn't going to buy me a Tesla, though. I, God, I would love a Tesla. Which is a shame. How cool would that be? Do you know what? Someone on my road used to have one, uh, but they looked really long and it always looked really hard to park. It looked really long. <laughs> yeah, like it was a really long car. Maybe they didn't buy the compact one, but it just looked really tricky to park. I, I, I assume for that money would park it for you, but... Well, it comes with Elon Musk as a yeah. chauffeur. <laughs> he just drives him <laughs> always like, all right, where, where, where do you want this? Park outside, Elon. <laughs> ah, that would be good. Busy anyway, tenor. before we get too off topic or on topic as that intro was, let's crack on with things. <laughs> Right. Electric cars. Yes. How many can you name? Didn't know I was going to start you with a quiz, did you? (laughs) Oh, no. How many do you reckon are on the market? I don't have the exact figure. Um, Like how many different... Types of electric cars you could get. Because everyone knows Tesla. 40? No, that's really high. 30. That's quite a lot, yeah. And everyone knows like the Nissan Leaf. No, it's still too I don't know. You rattled me. I'm sorry. Right, well... You, if you wanted to buy an electric car today, you could buy a Tesla, but you'd have to win the lottery first. You could buy a Nissan Leaf because everyone knows them. They're kind of entry level, Mm. kind of they're supposed to be the affordable electric car for the family. You could also buy a Renault Zoe. I've seen those. I've never heard of them. Maybe not. They're, I can't even describe them now. They're almost like. Do they look like a Clio? That's mm, how I imagine all Renaults. It's almost like a Clio in a beetle like squished together okay. in a really curvy or maybe, maybe more like a ford k okay cute Small. i've just named three very different types of cars <laughs> and said it's like all of them uh you could also buy one of those bmw i3s the really tiny ones they're quite cool yeah they're quite sweet they're, they've got little blue lights on them haven't they so yeah. you look like you're in um like the set of irobot or something yeah yeah and um i saw a couple of them in london actually this weekend uh, around South Wimbledon, there were like designated parking spots, which you could plug into. Oh yeah, they looked quite cool. They're tiny, but good for a city. Yeah, yeah. Um, or VW have just announced their new massive range of electric cars that they're hoping to bring out in the next couple of years, Ooh. including one which basically looks like a Polo. Perfect, lovely. I would love a little electric Polo, or one which is designed to rival the Land Rover Defender. Oh. So you can take electric now off-road. Yeah, I'm on board with that one. I don't live off-road, but perhaps one day. That's so, cool. so when I said like 50 different types of cars, I was just being super optimistic. Well, there might be some obscure brands somewhere else. I mean, there are loads of different, like, like there's, uh, I think it's like the Chevrolet Bolt and Hyundai have got some. And mm. There's a lot of hybrids around as well. Oh, hybrids, yeah. Um, but we're, yeah, I suppose we need to dive into the difference between a hybrid and a fully electric. Oh no, it's a confusing one as well. Do you want to start? I can, I can start. I can start with this. So you're, you're fully electric, uh, kind of does what it says on the tin. You've got a car and the motor is purely run on electricity, but a hybrid car will, will also have a kind of backup gasoline petrol engine as well. Yeah. So it doesn't always need to run on electricity. So if you run out of charge, it can revert back to running on your petrol. Yes. So quite a lot of manufacturers these days are pushing hybrid cars. Yeah, I mean, from what I understand, it gets a bit more confusing as well, because there are so many different variants of hybrids depending on the battery to combustion engine ratio or something. Like you can get mild hybrids and intermediate hybrids maybe. And mature hybrids. I, I sort of switched off when I was reading this because it got very, very confusing about what was what. So I think it's safe to say that we're more talking about full electric. Yeah, we're going to fully dive into. I think if you're going to get an electric car, sod it, just go straight in and get yeah, an electric car. Exactly. You know, no, no bother with this hybrid business. Just commit to reducing your All emissions. All the way. Yeah. Well, that kind of brings us in, I guess, 
uh, we can we can chat about emissions and why electric cars are a good idea. Yes, let's. <laughs> that sounds so forced. Um, so, one of the main reasons that people get electric cars, and everyone loves electric cars, and you or I are in team electric car, um, is that they don't produce any emissions out of the tailpipe. So because we don't have a combustion engine, we're not producing things like nitrous oxides or carbon monoxide or ozone, which combustion engines normally yeah. produce. They are not flying out of the end of your exhaust every time you go anywhere or pop to the shops or do whatever you need to do because it's just an electric motor turning wheels. Precisely, which is obviously going to benefit the climate. Hello, climate. Foremost. Hello, climate. Yeah. We're back. Um, from where? Where have we been? From the brink of catastrophic <laughs> climate change Something Obvi- like that. obviously yeah sorry um so it benefits the climate yeah because we're not releasing all these fumes into the air but also perhaps an overlooked point is that it's going to benefit us because yes, for example the royal colleges of physicians and pediatrics and child health oh he's got his references ready no it's just from memory obviously oh yeah sorry mm. It's a world-round institution, so I don't know. I mean, they are, but... I'm just a sceptic, clearly. Um, so anyway... Uh... Oh, you've, you've, you're rattled me. You've thrown me. Where's I'm my numbers? Sorry. Oh, no. Hit me um, back with linked, Poor air quality linked to 40,000 early deaths a year. 40,000? 40, 40,000 deaths a year. So oh, that is a, That's actually a lot of people. Yes, it is. Um, well, when you consider the size of some megacities particularly in, for example, China and India, mm. but even in, like, London. Like, think of all the rose rose terrace houses with congested streets directly outside, mm. all those fumes going straight out. Um, I mean, quite often we've got roads with hedges and trees outside, which can capture some of that, but oh, it's not enough, only though, to some it? degree, not for the sheer volume of cars on our road. No, it's just not enough. Actually, somebody got in touch on Instagram the other day to say that IKEA are bringing out a range of curtains, which are designed to reduce air pollution seriously so that's a fun thing i don't know if that's just a marketing scam or whether that actually works but we'll, we'll keep done. our eye out for those but Thanks yeah you're, you're right if you live in especially in a congested city you have no choice but to breathe the air that is produced or has been through a lot of combustion engines and is just chock full of you know nitrous oxides and general bad stuff and even particles of soot and hydrocarbons that let's be honest nobody wants in their lungs no. But you've got no choice. Unless you walk not. around with one of those um, those masks on your face, like a lot of kind of Asian tourists do when they come to London. I've always thought they looked a bit silly, but maybe they're onto something. I, I think they probably are, to be fair. Yeah. So basically, if we all switch to electric cars immediately, our cities will be much nicer, cleaner spaces to breathe and live in. Yes. Lovely. We can all live into old age peacefully. Which sounds great. But these... These emissions that come pootling out of the tailpipe are obviously completely eliminated in electric vehicles, but that's not to say that the electric vehicle itself is totally emission-free. Because if you look at its life cycle, you also have to take into account, although, yes, you're charging it with electricity, has fossil fuels, have they been used to produce that electricity that you're using? It's come from somewhere, hasn't it? Yeah, so there, there will be kind of climate costs associated with that. But that's not to say that if everyone plugged into the national grid that that would be as bad. It, it would still be better. There would still be much less produced by powering these stations to generate electricity than it would be having all of these combustion engines still on the road. So, you know, it's not perfect, but still great. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the Union for Concerned Scientists, for example, mm-hmm. has sort of... Naturally. Yeah, they're, they're very concerned at all times, and I don't blame them. Um, have basically said it's a bit of a misconception that uh, electric cars are comparable in their life cycle for the emissions as uh, diesel and petrol cars. Mm-hmm. Because, for example, they worked out the full life cycle, which took into account, uh, for example, in the case of petrol cars, getting the physical effort of getting the petrol or the, the oil out of the ground uh, manufacturing it, refining it, transporting it between locations, getting it to your local petrol station, uh, and then the burning of that as well. And they compared that to electric cars, and they found that, um, for example, in the US, uh, 75% of people now live in places where driving an electric car is cleaner than a 50-mile-per-gallon car. 
Wow. So that's obviously based on different US states having different uh, power supplies. Yeah. Some are better than others, but for the most part, they're very favourable on a one-to-one basis. And that's just based on average electric car. So not even the best performing electric cars. Mm. And obviously as time goes on, those electric cars are actually getting cleaner as new technology becomes available. Yeah, far more efficient. Exactly. And there's, with petrol and diesel powered cars, even though a lot of manufacturers have put in some nice touches, for example, like a lot of the Volkswagen groups, things of like the Blue Motion energy recapture thing where you get a bit of braking energy coming back and there's oh, cool. all sorts of things that go into cleaner engines. We'll skip over the whole VW yeah, emission scandal. I didn't know very much about that, but that sounds fascinating. Uh, there we go. Um, Before we plug them too much. So with those, with diesel and petrol powered cars, you kind of hit the limit of how much cleaner you can physically get them. Oh, really? Because obviously you're still burning things and effort getting things out the other side. Whereas electric vehicles, they can only get cleaner. Mm. Which is great. Yeah. Do you know one really easy way to make, say you had an electric car yourself, to make sure that its life cycle emissions, as it were, were cleaner, an easy way to do that is to make sure you know where your energy is coming from. So... Easy step, uh, yes. you transfer to an energy provider, which you know has a really strong renewable mix so that your ener- your, you know your electricity has been mostly produced which by... Which you can do. You can. Um, I've had a look at switching energy providers before and there are certain companies which explicitly say uh, that they'll get their energy from renewable sources. How they guarantee this, I don't know, but... Uh... No, me neither. We'll do a separate podcast on oh. renewable energy sources one the day. The ideas are forming. <laughs> but one of the other things... Um, is if you are generating your own electricity. So you pop oh, some solar panels on your roof, you're feeding your house, and you can also fuel your car. Which is more and more popular these days. Quite an interesting thing I um, found on electric cars as well mm-hmm. is it's something you perhaps don't really think about, but electric cars have far, far fewer moving parts within them. Oh, right. Um, yeah, I suppose if it's just a battery and wheels, really. It, it really is, because like some uh, some makes... What, what, what do you call the individual car? What's model. Line? Mo- model. That's what I'm looking for. There we go. So, some models Petrol head over are here. like fewer than 20 moving parts. Wow. Um, and like compared to hundreds of individual moving parts in a petrol and diesel powered car. Uh, so the knock-on effect of that is that they there's fewer things that can go wrong so the maintenance required on them over its life cycle is actually fairly low by comparison that's handy exactly so a few like less maintenance fewer breakable parts you haven't got to worry about um other the the terminology i found was parasitic drawers which um what on earth is that but um things like uh Draws on the energy caused by uh, extra engine accessories, like inefficiencies in the the heat um, escaping, uh, wear on the engine, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so, yeah, so they're better in that way. Um, Basically, let's all get electric cars. Yeah, pretty much. I, I saw a really cool picture online. Um, I think it was a picture maybe taken from a Tesla showroom because they've got those around, haven't they? So yeah. just like pop in and it's like Tesla sat on the floor. Um, which is pretty cool you, like have a little scene um but it, it was like a picture of the tesla without the main uh chassis i guess is that the word oh, right wait which, which was the chassis uh i don't the chassis is the bit that the wheels attached to isn't okay it? so they had the chassis but they removed the actual body of the car um, oh, okay so it was literally just one block of metal with a battery on it oh wow it was really cool so so like so simple yeah yeah exactly I think we should take a better look, a closer look at the batteries themselves because a lot of people are raising concerns over the batteries because we've kind of painted them as these like wonder products, haven't we? Like, yeah, electric battery, powers my car. Get the battery off the shelf, whack it in, done. Yeah, not, you know, not a few double A's. These are really intense lithium (laughs) iron batteries. They're quite hard to manufacture. Um, The technology is coming a really long way. Like you said, it's getting more and more efficient every, every, every year. But, um... The problem with them, or one of the main problems with them, is the metals and the resources used to make them. So you've got a lot of heavy earth minerals, which you need to pop in, and things like cobalt need to go in this lithium-ion battery, um, which means that there has been some unsustainable practices around the mining and sourcing of these materials. I can imagine, because that's already a problem with things 
for example, like mobile phones and yeah. other electronics, especially that we consume. Yeah, so basically scale that up mass in the West. to a growing demand for electric cars. Uh, so we have to make sure that actually the... This is the demand for that's being met sustainably, which at the moment it possibly isn't, because you get quite a lot of mines in basically a lot of the countries which have the reserves for these things like cobalt are places like the Democratic Republic of Congo, mm. where the um, kind of the government isn't so stable and there are much more frequent practices of things like child labour in mines. Yeah. Not so great. And they also don't have kind of environmental regulations uh, protecting both the surrounding landscape of the mine and the practices they're going on, or even the workers themselves from interacting with these often quite toxic uh, heavy metals and, and things. Yeah, so, from what I'm aware, not th- there is almost a culture of taking advantage of the situation in these uh, particularly Central and Southern African yeah. countries. They're um, kind of storming in and... Yeah, almost with a view of, oh, well, it's fine. You know, they're selling it to us. It's up to them mm. how they manage it. But actually, that's if not we very are, good if, of us. Yeah, if, if this is all coming to us for our consumption, it's on our response, it's on our shoulders and the manufacturer's shoulders to ensure it's done sustainably, like you said. Yeah, it's really, it's really bad, actually. Uh, actually, one, one interesting way of looking at it as well was um, so especially places like the US are like really concerned with their energy security and relying on other countries for things like oil. But if you start to then rely on other countries for heavy metals instead, if you shift away from oil and you need more emphasis on the production of creating this technology, the places where the the reserves are are also kind of often countries which, what was the term? It was like hostile to US uh, uh. mindsets. So... There are other concerns, like from an energy point of view, of if you're shifting your reliance from, say, the Middle East to then kind of, yeah, like Central or Southern Africa, the impacts that that could have on those communities and also US energy security and reliance externally, which was an interesting one and probably completely irrelevant. Something like I I never really thought of prior to that. You kind of just see all these great advances in battery technologies. Think, yeah, because yeah, the development happens in America and or places in, in Asia yeah. as well, or even even here in the UK, we've got Dyson, haven't we? They're producing electric car technology as well, I think. I suppose one of the keys to addressing that, like one of, obviously, like you said, making sure we do that in a sustainable uh, way that's not taking advantage of said country and people is mm. like priority one. But I suppose the advancing... Uh, rate at which batteries are getting better yes uh, more efficient mm-hmm. will help yeah and if they so if they last for longer the need for new ones well the need for new ones will continue to rise because of the need for the new demand but if we're having to replace them less often as well it helps mitigate some of the rise of that demand because we'll keep our cars for longer instead of you know like replacing them after five to ten years precisely i mean i i did uh find some really interesting uh, nuggets of information. Oh, here we go. Um, We're getting some Lloyd fun facts. <laughs> get ready. <laughs> um, which is that because, uh, for example, in the UK, there's uh, a growing electric car market. Following on from that, there is a growing second-hand electric car market. Oh, hello. As well as a second-hand battery market. Right. So in many... We're getting to the point where electric cars are starting to cycle back into you know use, so they're getting cheaper anyway, but also... They're not just being necessarily ditched straight away. Mm. Uh, so there is there are people who, like for them, the barrier is how much an electric car costs. But if they can get a used one, yeah. great. And the battery's not going to waste, blah, blah, blah. And there was a company in the UK which now will recycle the batteries, but for use in uh, in the household. So I think the company's oh, okay. called Eaton, which is quite cool. Um, I didn't really find what it's used for in the house, I'll admit. Well, that's one for Facebook later in the week. Stay tuned. It's almost like we planned that. (laughs) But the technology's there to recycle them is what we're saying. Precisely. Great. So we can do something. and We're not going to chuck them in the ground or throw them in the ocean. Yeah, I'm I'm not an engineer. I can't comment on how easy it is to recycle the individual metals within the batteries. No, me neither. But I think it can be done. Okay, good, good, good. Um, But again, that's one for Facebook that we'll try and follow up with a little mini investigation. Okay, nice one. Investigative journalism. That's exactly what we're doing here. Not my forte, but let's let's see how that goes. Just plugging the Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Oh.
So one of the funny things, not really that funny, but I found it a little bit funny uh, when having a look at all of this kind of technology is they are obviously much quieter engines than combustion engines. Yeah. So lovely. Okay, first thoughts. Great. No noise pollution for birds and for other wildlife. Roads will be quieter. Cities will be quieter. Doesn't that sound peaceful? Sounds beautiful. There have been a few times when electric cars gone past and it's just it's gliding. Ah, but that is the problem. Imagine now, for me, if you had your headphones on and you were about to cross the road, or if you were visually impaired and you relied on your 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 hearing oh, to tell you whether there are cars passing, and you couldn't hear them because they were in stealth mode because they were under twenty miles an hour and they were electric and therefore made no noise. Oh yeah, no, I, I can see the problem. Yeah, like so being hit by the Batmobile. <laughs> 100%. It's exactly what it would be like. But yeah, basically, I think in Japan, actually, um, when when kind of electric car technology was first being adopted fairly readily by the public, the amount of like pedestrian accidents that were happening just rocketed, absolutely rocketed. So I think it was the Japanese government, um, like the US government and the European Parliament all kind of clubbed together and said, right, if your car isn't producing a requisite amount of noise, um, you need to put in an artificial noise. So it gets above kind of 20, 30 miles an hour and the engine starts to make enough noise of its own that it doesn't need this. But anything underwards, um, underwards, <laughs> anything below. Emma the wordsmith. <laughs> heard it here first. Uh, anything underwards. Um, but any, any kind of speed below where it's not generating enough noise of its own accord. Yeah, it has to pump out a noise of an engine. Um, through speakers so that people around are more aware of its presence it's and really it becomes dangerous. That we have to do that isn't it it's wild isn't it I mean, oh do you know what the other day as well okay i'm not going to name the person or the brand but i do know someone who was test driving an electric car yeah and their mate was in the car with them filming them because the experience was so nice and they were on like a country road and they were just having a lovely time driving along and a deer jumps in front of it and they hit this deer because the deer didn't know it was coming oh. it didn't hear them and um, and it was just it's just the most horrific video. But anyway, I mean, they kind of stay. I suppose by the there are the people in regular cars that do hit deer as well. Yeah, very true. But I I, I completely see your point. <laughs> <laughs> I completely see your point with that story, though. Um, I mean, I wonder whether cause electric cars and self driving technology is kind of going hand in hand. Oh, I'm not on board more. with self driving technology. Fair. That's too much for me. But there are like auto braking systems and things now, aren't there? Yeah, true. Um, depending on how fast. For example, I think especially if you're going under 20 miles an hour, it's able to pick up on something and stop. So I wonder how that's going to, whether in the future there will be less of a need for artificial sound. That's a very good point. If the car technology is able to overcome that problem for you. That's very true. And also if we as a people get used to not having to listen to quite as much noise from yeah, cars. Still, still a transition period, aren't yeah. we, where we, we don't expect it. But if everyone's driving out your car with more... Pro- obviously, you mentioned people with... Uh, so, uh, visual impairment visual impairments, I think is one of the you. terms um, yeah how you become that I don't know but it could be yeah what it's going to be interesting feature. to see how it develops isn't it but I like the idea that one day our cities are just going to be quieter and more peaceful oh yeah we need that don't we yeah <laughs> and, um, I enjoyed going to London oh yeah London does actually quite stress me out sorry London We're, I, I love London for a weekend but more than that, I just I just find it a bit bit much. We're West Country people, you know. We are. We're, we're simple folk. <laughs> we just drink our cider, buy our hay bales. Absolutely. That's all we do, yeah. We just look out across the farms. Oh, we're getting nostalgic now. Um, <laughs> moving swiftly on. Well, talking cities, there, there are, there's another reason why electric cars are great in cities, right? congestion charge zones oh yeah and actually in london very recently they've introduced an ultra low because we already had congestion charges but now there's like ultra low emission zones in certain parts yeah. of london um I, I can't remember what the threshold is now but you effectively need to have a very new car mm. like petrol or diesel which has got the technology that sort of scrubs a lot of the nasty things out or you need electric or um hybrid running on electric in order to be there wow Great idea in principle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would imagine um, that's going to become more and more widespread in other cities. Oh, it's funny you mention that. So I've just moved to Bath and Bath is literally planning or debating like, at the moment whether to do the same thing. And they're playing it off as a, an air quality and traffic control issue in the city centre. So that would be great. But the only 
barrier for me is, although I don't drive into the city centre ever really, but it, like you said, your car has to be of a certain age and of a certain efficiency, which mine is not. I drive an old Honda Jazz, uh, a petrol car, because I can't afford to replace it. I'm very lucky to have this car in the first place and it's very useful when I need to do things. I try not to use it all the time, but I'm not in a position where I can suddenly invest in a brand new car. Yes. Let alone an electric car. I mean, it's fine doing these if you provide the options elsewhere. Yeah. Um, Because I can think of a lot of councils that wouldn't bother increasing the bus network or improving it or increasing like park and ride or trains, that sort of thing. So it's it's one thing to ban petrol or like polluters, fine, but there there needs to be the backup option. You need to be encouraging people to get on board with it. And it's, it's a great idea, but... It's kind of backwards. I know, I can. it's weird. It's one of those situations where I fully believe in it in from the environmental sense and from the health aspect. That is brilliant. I love the fact that they're definitely trying to make really good strides towards making us all as a population shift towards greener technology and towards less polluting practices in our cities. That's brilliant. I'm really on board with that. But I'm then stuck in this kind of catch-22 where the more I get taxed for my vehicle, the more my insurance is every year, the more my yeah my vehicle taxes every year based on its non-green abilities, the less I'm then able to save to put towards a new car. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And I just feel completely stuck in this environment where there's there's nothing I can do about it. I still need to have a car. I don't need it very often, but it's it's but very do, useful. You really need it, yeah. Like driving over here with all of my microphone stands to record a podcast with you, I'd be the worst person on a train, clattering around, knocking people around and, and bashing people over the heads with microphone stands. So on those occasions, I choose to drive because it's a convenience thing. But I just, I literally cannot see that situation changing at any point in the in the near future. No, that's exactly right. Um, I mean, there was this thing a couple of decades ago where the government, was, the UK government in particular, was encouraging motorists to switch from petrol to diesel. Uh, and a lot of people did that, which is why I think the, the ratio of diesel cars to petrol is particularly high in this country. It's a bit of a tangent, but um, one of the knock-on effects, because they said there's, there's fewer, uh, there's less CO2, right? I also um, don't know. But I think the knock-on You're effect was actually that diesel releases more uh, uh, nitrogen uh, Other nasty oxide? pollutants. Yeah, nitrous oxide. Nitrous oxide. Really um, which is then something else you've got to deal with. So actually it kind of backfired. So I can get people who maybe say, let's slow down with this and make sure the technology's there first. Yeah, because in that case, it's a bit bit different because we know electric. We can't need to go electric. I know. For the sake of Just getting rid of all the fumes. show me a second-hand cheap electric car it, and yeah. I'm there. 100% I am there. It's a classic case of you need all the early adopters to get on board first. Yeah. And eventually the cost will come down, which they're starting to do. Like Tesla's bringing out, like a, is it the Model S is the more affordable one? I think so. Um, and I mean, at the moment, even like a Nissan Leaf is like £26,000 yeah, or something. Yeah, new, yeah. Um, compared to lot. like a brand new Micro, which is not nearly as much. But <laughs> or a Honda Jazz, not nearly as much. Or a Honda much. Jazz, <laughs> the old faithful. Um, so... Yeah, it's difficult at the moment, but I guess, like we said, transition period. But it kind of has, the transition has to happen, but it's... We're kind of waiting for it, yeah. Yeah. I'm really eager to do more, but not in a position to do so as yet. Precisely. Yeah. But that, I mean, that's kind of one of the big myths, I would say, around electric cars is cost, isn't it? I love the word myth. Everyone says they're super expensive. I can't afford them, as I have just done. And like we said, the upfront cost of a new electric car is higher. Yes. Yes. Generally. But in the UK, for example, the government will actually give you, I think it's like £4,000 towards a new car, I want to say. Oh, really? Like a subsidy? I have to look this up now. Electric. Sort of but um, yeah, to help get over that initial cost. Very nice. Uh, which I imagine won't last very yes, long. Yes, please, UK government. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I imagine that can't last for beyond the next couple of years because of the no. increasing uptake of electric cars that's true because i think we're that up to kind of donkey s- carrot is going to be removed isn't it yeah precisely because it's like five percent six percent of new cars sold in the uk are electric now oh really that's quite good well actually it's not that much it's not but that it's growing yeah um it is growing every year uh, but it's still a slow growth but back to costs yeah the initial cost is higher but the lifetime cost if you're able, it's, it's difficult for us to factor in lifetime, isn't it? When we all, all we see is that massive price tag when we first get a car. It's, it's a hurdle, isn't it? But it once you're the other side of the hurdle, you're actually running very cheap yes, on a day-to-day very, basis. Very, very cheap. Because 
actually the cost of filling up your car with electricity that sounds like a weird phrase isn't it filling up your car with electricity charging up your car is so so much cheaper than it is to fill up a tank so you fill up you fill up your tank you're paying what 50 quid just yeah. to fill up your tank but i think if you're traveling electric you can get about a similar amount of mileage out for under a tenner especially if you I've got some numbers here um from an article in the, the independent uh, which said that driving 100 miles in an electric car will cost 3 to 4 pounds compared to about 15 pounds in a petrol car. Yep, lovely. So the amount that I would save on petrol if I could just get over the initial hurdle of of purchasing a, an electric car would kind of help me recruit my costs quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And as we said exempt from uh ultra low emission zones and also uh, certain Electric cars in the UK can be exempt from certain taxes and levies mm. on said car. And as we can go back to the, the repair and maintenance as well, a few moving parts. Yeah, less things likely to go wrong. To I'm dreading my MOT in a few weeks, but I probably wouldn't be dreading it if I had an electric car. Yeah, you just coast in silently, <laughs> reverse back out again, waving. Fish, bash, bosh, done. Because electric cars um, are more efficient as well. So this is, this is quite technical. I'm not much of a car head. But uh, a car head, <laughs> petrol head, electric head. I don't know. I've I've Crack got a regular person commit head. Commit to car heads. I um, like it. <laughs> so, so an electric uh, motor, for example, you will produce the same amount of torque. Car Ooh. word. There we are. And torque same is torque. what's torque? Just like power. Yeah, it's like the oomph. Oomph. <laughs> it's, I like, it's yeah. The oomph behind the oomph. Yeah. Um, same amount right. of torque can be Scientific. produced at one RPM rotations per minute um as the motor would make spinning at twenty thousand rpm so they they can then use um in electric cars like very high-tech systems which will calculate gear ratios for you because obviously they're going to be automatic oh, um, oh yeah. they can maximize efficiency so you don't need a transmission huh this does mean that over, like the top speed of the car gets reduced apparently um because you're compensating for evenly spacing the power but how often do you rouse your car at top speed oh, exactly no, no, exactly right. I mean, you're not you're not racing in Formula E. You don't need it. Um, What's Formula E? For, ah, that could have been a good thing to include in this episode, which I completely forgot. So uh, Formula E is like the like an alternative to Formula One, um, where car manufacturers you like basically putting all their efforts to the fastest electric car they can get. Just oh it's God. Formula One, but yeah. Great. And uh, a couple of years ago, when it first started, they it's quite an amusing sight of. Uh, the drivers having to change cars in the pits rather than changing wheels because the battery wouldn't last. But now the batteries are good enough that I can't remember if the battery lasts the whole race now or if they can. It's good enough they can switch out a battery for a battery. That's very cool. Which is quite cool. I've yeah, never heard of that. It's, it's a whole uh, other it is, world. It's really cool, really cool sport actually. Oh. Um, and there's there's all, it's all sorts in that sport. So there's like a little. Sorry, I'm, this is a massive tangent now. It's all right. But there's uh, you can get a social media boost. So when the public decides they prefer a driver. <laughs> That the one they like the most gets a little boost for ten seconds or something. Oh my god! Which is kind of a weird. It's like edition. Mario Kart, but it's literally like Mario Kart. That is Everyone absolutely ridiculous, really and I cool. love it. I love it. Um, That's nuts. Okay. Yeah. So then, new technologies are improving that range, that efficiency, that top speed, without necessarily needing to improve charge time. It's just as you know, it gets better and better. Whereas a gasoline, so that's very American, uh, petrol-powered car, where it's going to be less efficient at lower RPMs for example so you're getting the efficiency no maintenance lifetime cost is better but it's the upfront cost you're right yeah but you know what i think i think the listeners should hear from someone who's actually driven and loves electric cars are you saying my um non-first-hand experience isn't good enough uh how do i put this I've got someone better. <laughs> I'm trading okay. you in. No, so basically our friend Andrew Glester from the Cosmic Shed podcast went to go and speak to a lovely chap called Robert Llewellyn. Um, but he actually does own and use two electric cars and is fully embedded in electric car technology. So we're going to have a little bit from Andrew and Robert now. Hello, Emma and Lloyd and all you For What It's Earth listeners. I'm Andrew from the Cosmic Shed podcast. Uh, previous guests on the podcast include Benedict Cumberbatch, Marina Sirtis from Star Trek, Tim Peake, Chris Hadfield, 
and Nichelle Nichols, also from Star Trek, a whole host of wonderful scientists who are perhaps less household names but no less brilliant. And uh, in our latest episode, I caught up with Robert Llewellyn. Uh, you might know Robert from playing Crichton in Red Dwarf. Uh, you might know him as the presenter on Scrap Heap Challenge or uh, as the presenter, one of the presenters on the Fully Charged show on YouTube, which is a YouTube channel all about electric cars. But what I know and love Robert most for is his trilogy of science fiction stories, utopian science fiction stories, set in a future where everything is powered by renewable energies. And we've just been talking about the possibilities of renewable energies, and this is the moment where the chat drifted into talk about electric cars. Yeah, no, I've just done my first bit of solar stuff, which is just a 60-watt panel on on a arbor seat, charging a battery, which is powering the pond filter. Yeah, brilliant. brilliant. You, I always say this, you know, my house makes no difference, uh, and your pond pump makes no difference individually. But if a million people had pond pumps like that, that their aggregated total of that electricity is measurable by the national grid. That is many, many megawatts a year less that people aren't buying from the national grid. In my case, you know, my uh, electricity bills from uh, last year, from about mid-May till mid-September, were single figures a month. And and I charge two electric cars. So my uh, annual consumption is way above the average. I've got a Tesla Model S, which is brilliant, and a, just more recently a Hyundai Kona. We were very lucky to get one because they only imported 80. So there's not that many around, but they're, I mean, they're bringing a lot more in. But the interesting thing is in that four-year period, so they have roughly the same range. The Tesla's got a slightly bigger battery, but it's a bigger car. So they have about the same range, uh, you know, a genuine 250 miles in the winter, in the wet, with the heater on. So you could do well over that, particularly in the Kona in the summer. But 250 miles is way enough. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. In fact, it's, you know, we've never got close to getting low in the Kona on a long drive. We don't even get near it. You know, we get down to sort of 40%. And then you need a wee. You know, you've got to stop. You've been sitting still for hours, so we plug it in a rapid charger and top it up. But Tesla is kind of what it is. And the Kona is like a sensible, normal car that is actually useful. Because yeah. doing naught to 60 in under three seconds isn't that useful. It's kind of fun. But it's not yeah. Like, you know, everybody who doesn't have an electric car thinks about range anxiety. If you have yeah. one, you don't. Why, is, why don't you? Well, because you, you, you certainly do when you first get one. I mean, the first time I drove that little IME from Birmingham to my house, which is, I think, about 63 miles... And particularly the last three, I was very anxious about because it's all up quite a long, steep hill. And I, I was actually sweating. I was on the M5 coming down from Birmingham and there was actual sweat running down because I just went, this is going to stop any minute. And I'm on the way, what am I going to do? Oh, my God. Terrible. And then I got home and I went, oh, and it was, because that one had fairly limited range, it was extremely low. But because I didn't know what would happen when it got that low. I'd never driven it before. So that was, yeah, I think the first time you drive an electric car on your own, not a test drive from a garage, you know, but you're going somewhere in one, you'll go, oh, my God, will it get there? So then the next step is learning how to charge it. And not, it's not, learning, I mean, that takes two seconds. How do you plug it in? There, that, it goes in there, all right. The charging infrastructure is still extremely annoying on occasions, but it, it's improving very rapidly. So... You know, because when people say, oh, there's no charging infrastructure. When I had that iMeve, there was literally one rapid charger in the country, which is at Mitsubishi's offices. And nine times out of ten, it didn't work. And all the instructions were in Japanese and no one at Mitsubishi could speak Japanese. (laughs) So that was challenging when there's one in the whole country. So there's now, I think, something like 22,000. The the mindset of the petrol engine driver is... You, you drive it till it's empty and then you fill it up again, whereas I feel yeah. like that's not what you do with no. you do, I mean, you can, I mean, I've certainly done that. You know, you've done it where I've gone, whew. I mean, we did it in the Netherlands last year where I ended up at a charger with 14 miles range left in a, a Jag I-Pace. I didn't know what was going to happen in that last, 40, you know, when, it, when we had like 40 kilometres left, I was going, oh, it's 14 kilometres range. 
And I didn't know how close it, you know, you're going, oh, this is, this is quite, touch, you know. So there are those moments, but that's very unusual. I mean, generally, you know, there are only one time ever I've made a car run out. So I, I still have a Nissan Leaf, the original Nissan Leaf, and I drove it till it stopped to see what happened. I was filming it. And uh, it was really boring because it took much longer than I expected to run out, but it did do it in the end. And it stops just like a petrol car. <laughs> And I'd arranged, I'd arranged with the local garage, so they had a tow truck ready, and I said, I'll ring you. And in fact, it, it, it stopped the, uh, finally when I was about 50 metres outside their gate, so it was very easy, <laughs> very easy solution. But then I, it got carried back to my house, we pushed it into the garage, I plugged it in, left it, and it took all night to charge. Well, that was a good example. If it's totally empty so that you can't even drive it, it takes about, that car took about eight, eight and a half hours to charge up again. But that's once in 10 years of driving electric cars. Generally, you get to somewhere and you've got 25, 30, 40%. Well, then it takes, on a rapid charger, 20 minutes and you can do another 150 kilometres further. Oh, what a life that guy has. Imagine that. I'm dreaming that of... interview? That's yeah, so cool. I'm dreaming of my Honda Jazz and he's got two electric cars. Yeah, it was really interesting though. He was saying that he's literally charging two electric cars on his... And it's solar panels on his house. And his bills are so cheap. And there's still nothing. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. I mean, as That's he said, the dream, eh? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as he said, though, that that like overnight charge, whilst being everyone's worst nightmare with an electric car, and it's probably one of the things that stops people from buying electric cars, thinking, oh, I'm just going to take ages to charge, blah, blah. He said he only had to do it once in 10 years of owning all these different electric cars. Yeah, he? well, he said he used fast port as well. I think there's two different types of charging port. Um there's this fast charge and, and then there's like regular charges and you can opt into different schemes and things, can't you? Yeah, because I know like Tesla, for example, have got their own branded superchargers around. Oh, really? Which will do it like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's one of the confusing things about charging stations is that you can plug it into your house, but obviously if you're on a driveway, what do you do? Unless there Actually, are, there's uh, a guy on the road opposite me who... Um, it's a terraced road and you can't park like he doesn't have a driveway so he runs a series of um he's just got like a really really long cable yeah and he charges his car like quite far down the street oh, man. I mean, and everyone on the, on the road is just like what are you doing mate you're being so stupid and i'm there like no let's applaud this guy the thing is i, I think great. it also depends on the company you're buying the car from um the count that the, the council you're in the country you're in because um i remember getting a taxi in Bur- like around the birmingham area he had an electric car Mm. And he said that, um, was it Toyota? Maybe it was Toyota. Like, uh, basically put money into setting up a charging station outside his house for him. Oh, great. Um, so I think it completely depends on your circumstances, unfortunately. And that, I mean, there are some, uh, oh, was, it, was it the Netherlands? We're looking at converting street lamps into charging stations as well. Oh, that's cool. That sort of mix of the current infrastructure with the new, I think, would work very well. Mm. And charging stations are popping up quite quite all over the place actually they're a lot more regular than i think because you and i don't look for them we don't see them no this is true i mean like now like more and more like if you're in a car parking area or what's there a car park blah blah blah, you do occasionally see like some electric charge boards yeah even in big supermarkets and things as well that's obviously going to say everyone's switching to electric cars tomorrow unfortunately um and actually the rac has said that the charging network was one of the main deterrents for consumers one uh, who were considering a swap to electric cars was one oh, really, to yeah. them off, which is understandable. Um, I think in the UK there's seven thousand public locations to charge. Okay, that sounds like a lot. Um, yeah, I don't know how that breaks. You were saying about this private networks you can sign up to. Yeah, I don't 100 percent know how they work, but you have to be subscribed to different charging kind of schemes. Yeah, I mean, there was one particular anecdote I read online, uh, online article, and they said that. They were away from home and it turned out that the network they were in wasn't the one they were signed up to. So they had to try and oh, sign gosh. up on their phone. Yeah. Then the phone wouldn't let them do it because the app was breaking and then they had to ring and then it didn't work. So they had to drive somewhere else to find a public one. Um, that sounds infuriating. It does, yeah. So I think at this stage, you're still going to have a bit more hassle than going up to a petrol station. But is it worth it? Yeah. But the more well, people that do it now, like you said, but... the forerunners of it, the more people that do it now, the better it's going to get. Precisely, yeah. I mean, in, in the UK, it's really patchy and inconsistent. So the average distance between charging points will range from 0.16 kilometres in Westminster to 10 kilometres in North Yorkshire. Wow. 
So depending on where you are in the country, I mean, that's understandable. With more people in London, yeah. more chance of electric car, it's going to be more beneficial there anyway. The Department of Transport says that 80% of charging is done at home anyway. Well, you would, wouldn't you? It's yeah. naturally the easy You would thing. if you can. And I think if you've got your in-house, you're more likely to buy an electric car in the first place. So that's, mm. I think, what's driven that statistic. Um, but the Liberal Democrats said uh, last year that more than 100 local authorities in England and Wales have no plans to expand on the current infrastructure of electric charging points. Oh, Um, no, that's kind of heartbreaking, but I like to think that's not true. Surely that can't be true because the government's got this big funding pot now of like a couple of million pounds to help councils increase their charging numbers. Government's quite busy at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) You can say that again. Oh, yeah. I like to think that if we all desperately start buying electric cars, they're going to have to fit the infrastructure around the demand. But, yeah. Things like even with uh, petrol stations in the UK, so I'm going to just keep throwing numbers your way, if that's all right. I'll delete them if they're rubbish. Sit tight, here's some numbers. In the UK, there are over 8,000 petrol filling stations, right? That is a lot. At the moment, they're closing at a rate of about 100 a year. Right. In the UK. Um, that's quite a lot of closing every year actually. it is quite a lot and as the growing uh as the electric car fleet grows there probably won't be more than six thousand petrol site petrol filling sites by 2035 anyway okay which is still a lot but the point is that the, the balance is going to shift anyway so these companies who supply the energy and electricity are going to have to shift their business models i like it yep. is my point I'm with if you. that makes any sense it does make sense thank you I'll tell you what, actually, one other fun thing that I read. Now, I did think this was quite cool. So you know how there was always these stories about if everyone was watching EastEnders, the national grid would see a huge spike in energy demand at 5.30pm or wherever it was when, as soon as the ad break came on and everyone would make a cup of tea because everyone was suddenly using electricity at the same time. that's right. That's quite a fun little fact. Yeah. Then some people said, okay, well, that is going to happen with electric cars because everyone's going to come home from work, plug their car in at the same time to run it overnight so that they're ready to go the next morning. Um, And, you know, unless we're all plugging in at different times, we're still going to have this really big spike. So how is the national grid going to cope with this huge spike of, of energy demand? But actually, there was a couple of really cool ways they thought about maybe managing this. So not only one, say you're working from home or something and you've got more flexibility on when you can charge your car at home, you can pay less per unit of electricity at certain times when they're kind of overproducing electricity for the demand, so midday or whatever. But then we've been banging on about batteries. Cars are batteries. They are storage devices. Cars, Electric cars could be used as global storage devices. And when they're plugged in, if the national grid is perhaps running too low and needs more energy to, to meet demand... It could take energy from these cars. You could sell it back to the national grid to meet that demand for that small period of time. And then as soon as that's over, you can continue to charge. That's a very cool idea. Yeah, especially as that would be so much quicker than them having to fire up a new power station. Because it takes a really long time to suddenly turn on a gas power station. And then you have to keep it running for ages to make it efficient. So this would be a much better way of then being less reliant on kind of coal power that's very cool it's quite cool i don't think the technology is 100 percent there yet but i just no, think but, that but would I, be a can... really interesting way of, of handling that yeah certainly see a star in the future where that happens like everything's interconnected i mean the um uk association of energy providers so they represent all the different energy providers in the uk as one body uh, they've actually said that their members will be more than able to meet the demand of the several million electric vehicles projected to arrive in the coming years so they're quite confident in themselves almost that they can meet that very demand, nice which yeah. is reassuring absolutely this is the awkward part of the episode where we would normally say what people can do to help um uh other than win the lottery and buy a tesla yes sit tight and maybe just be a bit more receptive to electric or hybrid cars next time you are looking to change your vehicle yeah we're not obviously we're not in a position where we could tell all of you to go out and buy an electric car today no especially when i can't even do that myself exactly <laughs> um just keep in mind that a lot of uh christmas people have electric cars are quite often misconceptions which we've hoped we've cleared up yes and i would say there's a bright future for electric cars personally me too i'm fully excited for the day that i can trade the old jazz in for an electric car exactly i can't wait for that silent smooth journey (laughs) 
Um, and if you do happen to buy an electric car, you can get, uh, for example, there's a something called Open Charge Map, which is like an open source map of all electric car charging locations. We'll put all of our sources um, that we've used online, so you could like see that we're not making this up. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we do, but most of the times we don't. Yeah, we'll um, we'll have everything in the show notes, and we'll put everything on our social media if you wanted to do a bit of extra reading, or yeah, like you said, if you want to find out more about where your local charging points and bits and bobs are. Nice one. Well, that's it then. I think we should wrap up. There must be I a car-based pun. We come can to use. the end of our journey. Ah, oh, nice. Uh, Put the brakes on this episode. Oh, that was better, actually. Thank you. And we'll accelerate into uh, Ooh, next week. Killed it. And a bright tomorrow. <laughs> Too much? Oh, goodness me. Do you know what we haven't done? No. We're going to have to do it now in the outro. What one good thing have you done this week, Lloyd? Have we not done that yet? We didn't do it. We got too excited talking <laughs> uh, about Teslas. Um, after your fantastic episode um, where I took a little holiday... Um, oh, yeah. and, and you were talking with Sophie Pavel. I traded you in the one for, for one a newer model Pavel, um, about cosmetics and toiletries. I have bought because my shampoo was coming to the end of its life uh, a shampoo bar. Oh, very nice. Well done. Little paper packaging, and I've also bought a little coconut fiber-based scouring pad. Oh, for your washing up. Yes. So rather oh. than the plastic uh, scourers and sponges, it's very just, well it's done. Based on uh, coconut fiber. That's two for one this week. Well done. You're welcome. Very nice. So I also, having jumped off of one of our recent episodes, have bought aluminium water bottles for myself, my boyfriend, and my mum because it was Mother's Day the other day. Aww. So everyone can stay away from reusable plastic water bottles and estrogens in their water, which is great. But then also would like to say a little thank you to my mum because I think this episode is going to come out after Easter, but we're recording with Easter imminent. And I saw her yesterday and she's bought me a eco Easter egg which has come in seriously um like really environmentally friendly like brown packaging uh like it's all in cardboard none of it's in plastic it's really cute and it's british made as well so, so the transport's sweet. really like minimal so well done mum you'll have to send me the company i'll it. send you a picture of it yeah i should have brought yeah. it with me but okay i lied i've eaten it already thanks emma's mum okay anyway we will be kicking around on social media yes you can find us on instagram at For What It's Earth podcast. And you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter. Are you waiting for me to tell them the oh, handles? Because I can't remember. That's why I... Twitter is What Earth Pod. That's why I took them off you, because I, I knew you couldn't remember them. <laughs> and Facebook, For What It's Earth podcast, I guess. But you normally do the outro, so suddenly I felt lost. Ooh, floundering. Yeah, no, that's true. I'm, I'm just taking a nap. Well, anyway, that's pretty much it. That's all we need to tell you. Great. Um, we'll see you next week. Love you, Pop. Bye. Bye. Bye.